Welcome to CEO on the Go, the show about personal and professional growth for busy leaders like you. I'm Gail Lance, and I'm here to help you think differently, solve big problems, and inspire change. It's tough to do on your own and even with a team, but it is possible. So let's get started. Welcome to this special episode of CEO on the Go. I hope you're doing well. As a leader, I bet you feel pressure to have your act together, to appear a certain way, to exude confidence and control and success. And I'm guessing you're also focused on your vision and strategy and goals. At least you should be if you listen to the two previous episodes that I produced. One was called Creating a Compelling Vision to Inspire Your Team. And the other was called Aligning Your Goals with the Big Picture. So I know you've got to show external results without a doubt. But the real work of a leader begins within developing the mindset and beliefs that serve as a foundation for impactful leadership. So I was thrilled to have had the opportunity to speak with Brenda Bentz about the quote inside job of leadership and why it matters. Brenda is a globally recognized executive leadership coach and motivational keynote speaker. She's traveled around the world, has spoken to tens of thousands of people around the globe, such an impressive background former Fortune 100 executive, has a Harvard MBA, among other achievements, smart, insightful, and energized about the amazing work that she's doing. I love speaking with people like her who are so passionate about their work too. She makes the correlation between branding and leadership. Both start from the inside out, and she knows this well, having been responsible for building many billion-dollar brands. She understands the challenges that leaders face on their journey to higher levels of corporate positions. Her book is called The Forgotten Choice, Shift Your Inner Mindset, Shape Your Outer World, and you can find the link to the book in the show notes. Brenda is based in Singapore, so it was a special treat to speak with her from halfway around the world. I think we had about a 13-hour time difference between us. I was barely awake in the morning, and she was winding down in the evening. But together, we focused on ideas that we both care about. And I know you will appreciate her perspective on what it takes to truly master the inside job of leadership. Enjoy my conversation with Brenda Bentz. Brenda, welcome to CEO On The Go. I'm so glad that you're here all the way from Singapore. <laughs> These days we don't have to fly, Gail, so I know. I'm in good shape. Thank you so much for having me today. It's great. Yeah. Well, I know that we'll have so much to talk about. We seem to be very aligned in our work, and I've so appreciated getting to know you through another program that we're involved in. But you have a book that's come out recently, so I want to definitely talk about some of the themes in that and some of the work that you're doing. You and I agreed earlier that we thought the theme of doing the inner work or the, the inner job of leadership is so important to be focused on now. And so I would love to get your take on that. And we can have a, a conversation that can be helpful to people who need to understand what that is and take some action uh, that will help make how they're operating in their roles a lot easier, I think. Absolutely. Sounds great. Yeah. So wh why did you focus on that topic now? Well, so much of leadership is about the outside job of leadership. You know, when we think about leaders, Gail, typically what we do is we think about how they act, how they react, how they look, how they sound, what they say, how they speak, how they present themselves, right? 
But that's all the outside job. It's the effect. If you think about cause and effect, that's the effect. And where true leadership starts is on the inside. That's where cause lies, you know, with what leaders think, with what they feel, what's going on inside their minds. And that's actually what drives the way they act, react, look, and sound. But because what we think and feel are just so intangible, so invisible, and because most of us don't know how to take charge of anything that's invisible and intangible, we typically ignore it. But success as a leader starts first and foremost as an inside job. As you say, the inner work we need to do as a leader. And it's just such a foundation of what's going to define success and leadership. I'm also into leadership branding. And we, the, a brand, a great brand, the way people perceive, think, and feel about you is how I define branding. A great brand is when the marriage of the inside job and the outside job work together in complete alignment and consistency. When the inside and the outside are linked together and they're working, that's when you know you're around an authentic leader. You can feel the difference, right? Yes. There's congruence there for sure. Absolutely. With so much pressure to have that outward um, kind of success package, where do you start in developing the internal piece of that? Well, I think the most important thing is the realization of how important this is. And we typically focus, even if you think about inside of a corporation or big organizations or any organization, when it comes time for reviews, people's reviews, where do we look? What did they do? How did they act? What did they say? We never go beyond that. And it, what happens is you'll never create long-term sustainable positive changes in behavior unless you change the underlying thoughts and beliefs and those foundational values that are happening underneath. And so it, it's just not going to happen. And yet we spend so much time with that. When faced with a challenge scale, we often resort to just, what do we do? We'll get into action. We'll just solve the problem, right? We'll just do more. But of course, that doesn't work. I have an interesting case in point. There was a client came to my office for the very first visit, a woman, her name was Lena, and we were reviewing some written feedback that she'd received. And after reading what her direct reports, her peers, her boss had written about the behaviors that she needed to improve, I had an inkling. I said, I asked, now, have these, do these inputs sound familiar to you, Lena? Have you heard this feedback before? And she said, oh, yes, yes, I have. I've, I've gotten the exact same feedback three years in a row. She said, no matter how much I try to do things differently, the feedback just never changes. So I decided to call a few of her work colleagues and find out more. And most, almost all of them said, you know, I can see that Lena is trying to make changes. There are times when her behavior is perfectly on point, but somehow, even when her behavior is what she wants it to be, it just doesn't feel real. Something feels off. And, you know, as coaches, that's not surprising because we know that focusing only on trying to change behaviors isn't going to work because the beliefs and the thoughts beneath those behaviors haven't changed and the feelings haven't changed beneath them as well. So if just like Lena, if you purposely try to change your behavior, A, it doesn't work and people won't buy it. It just doesn't buy it. I mean, think, think about New Year's resolutions, right? Yes. Yes. I'm going to change this behavior. And by February, we've gone off track, right? Because we haven't done the inside work to figure out what's underlying those behaviors that need to change. It's all foundational on what we think. Yes. So I'm curious to know 
what would be a measure of success then is, is the measure of success something that shows up externally for the work that you've done internally? Absolutely. Is that how you would know? Yeah. We'll take Lena as a case example. It wasn't until she changed her underlying beliefs. We had to look at the underlying beliefs and thoughts about herself that she finally went, aha. And when she could make those changes internally, it was reflected on the outside. And that's when we see success in coaching, success in leadership is because they've actually changed the behaviors and it's going to stick. And in that following year's review for the first time in four years, she finally got different feedback. Yes, that's great. I often tell my clients, I think one of the indicators is, is by how they feel. If it feels right to them, if it feels more congruent, you know, I, I work with a lot of people in engineering and technical fields and more introverted types a lot. And, and they're, they feel forced to be these extroverts and lead meetings in a way that just doesn't feel like who they are. And so to your point, there's so much uh, mind work that needs to be done before just trying to force these behaviors that they think they need to be stepping into, right? Same thing. And acceptance that who you are is fine. I just ran a poll on, on a social media platform. It's quite interesting. I asked, to what extent did your first leader, your first boss, impact how you lead today? 75% said to some extent or a lot. Okay. Now think about that. That's scary. Our first yeah. bosses set up, <laughs> right? Right. Yes. Our first bosses set our trajectory as a leader. We think, okay, that's how bosses act. That's how leaders act. And so we get into this programming of what a leader is supposed to do. But like you said, with introverts, maybe they had a very outgoing leader. So they have to try, introverts are trying desperately to be outgoing, but it's not who they are. And people will know it. They will feel it. And they will struggle when that internal and that external don't fit. You know, they just don't lock and load. Yes. And then the higher level you go in the organization, you know, there's more at stake at that level. It's more important for you to be who you are, I think. And it's interesting that I've seen a lot of executives who have tremendous experience suddenly get to this point where they say, something is off. I'm not quite sure what it is. Um, and, and it's only at that point when they realize that they have to, to do the work inside, they haven't had the benefit as you're talking about, of being able to, to have had that as foundation that's laid for them in their leadership trajectory. So even some of the most accomplished executives still need to do this, or they realize this sometimes even uh, in, in a late stage of their career, I'm finding. Yeah. It's the old, what got you here won't get you there. We have these behaviors and patterns that when we were younger, actually we could get away with it. We could get away with it. It was accepted behaviors. They worked fine. You know, you could tell someone what to do when you're younger. You could push, use a push style. You could, you know, whatever. You could see yourself as an expert. But as you reach that higher levels, it's more about asking. It's more about listening. It's more about pulling. You pull people in. And that, that takes a massive shift inside because the outside is going to be the result of it. And it's not working. And I have many leaders. I, I tell them, I have this image called the leadership threshold. And they hit a point where they climb up this ladder and they bump up against it. And they just stay there because they've got to shift over to a completely different ladder moving up on a different platform. And until they realize that, those sets of behaviors that got them where they got to won't get them where they want to go. And that, I see this consistently. And it's usually 
you know, 20, 25 years into a career type of thing. Exactly. That's interesting. So I'm, I'm hoping for people listening that we might be able to give them a little glimpse behind the scenes of what, what does that process look like? How, how do you begin making some of those shifts? What would be a specific example of how one might go apart from just saying, oh, work, work with a coach or work with someone who can help <laughs> you with that? <laughs> what, exactly. what goes on behind the curtain and how yeah. can people understand that in a way that would give them some ideas on something they might try? So let's talk self-coaching. Okay. Okay. Good. I love that. Yes. Not everyone in the world can afford a coach. I completely appreciate and honor that. But what is coaching? Coaching starts off with the process of self-awareness. Self-awareness is foundational. And here's the thing. I And self-awareness is, first of all, that's nothing a coach can help you with. Only you can do your own self-awareness, right? I, I am fascinated by beliefs by thoughts and the impact that they have on us as leaders. I honestly estimate that by the time we're in our late teens, early 20s, we have long ingrained self-limiting beliefs that are holding us back, Gail, a lot. Mm -hmm. I agree. And by the time we're leaders in organizations, those beliefs are so ingrained. What happens, they're so hardwired, they become so open quote, natural unquote for us that we don't even know they're there, even if they don't serve us. They are subconscious. And just like a hamster on a wheel, we just keep repeating those same beliefs over and over and over and over again because we've gotten used to them. And then we wonder why we're getting the same results over and over again. So you have to break that because those old hardwired beliefs are really under the radar. And we have to bring them up to our conscious awareness in order to change and decide otherwise and get different outcomes. So awareness is foundational. So one of the things that is super simple to do, everyone listening can do this. Have a walking, I call it the walking journal, okay? You're going to carry around with you a piece of paper, your iPad, a phone, wherever you can take notes. And as you come out, let's say that you're working on, I don't know, let's just do Maybe we've got an imposter syndrome issue and the confidence is at the issue. Yeah, is the foundation. That's common. That's very it's, common. It's quite common. Literally to the tune of 70 some percent of people have, have this. It's extraordinary. So let's say that at the base of imposter syndrome, and that's the belief that even no matter how good you are, you think you're a fraud. Like they made a mistake putting me in this job. They don't realize they've made that mistake, right? Even when, even when that happens, and usually it happens with extremely successful people, by the way, which is on the outside, we see them as quite successful. When you have that, I help them think about confidence because confidence is kind of the secret sauce underneath imposter syndrome. Like if you feel confident enough about yourself that you can overcome some of that imposter syndrome piece. So I ask them to carry around, again, piece of paper, iPad, whatever. They've just walked out of a meeting where they felt on fire. They were doing great. They felt confident. All right. Pause and ask yourself. I call it the four wives and the one husband. Okay, <laughs> www. Okay. www. Explain. Do you explain? <laughs> okay. That's all for the show today. No, <laughs> just kidding. Keeping them in suspense. <laughs> Keeping in suspense. No. www.h. So who was in the meeting? What was going on? When was it happening? Where was it happening? And how was it being processed? Who, what, when, where, and how? Ask yourself those questions. What allowed me to have a strong level of confidence? And I even ask uh, clients to rate themselves a scale of one to 10. 10 is high, one is low. Where were you when you came out? I was a nine. Okay, what allowed that nine? Who, what, when, where, how? Then the next thing is okay, maybe they just came out of a meeting with a senior, a higher, very high senior leader, and they really felt that imposter syndrome. Again, sit down and ask yourself, 
scale of one to 10, oof, I was a three. Okay. So ask yourself objectively, like an anthropologist on the outside looking in, what drove that three? Who, what, when, where, how? What was going on that caused that? And what happens is over time, you'll start to see patterns. You'll start to see patterns. Aha, when I have a belief in hierarchy. And so I worry about senior leaders um, not, not doing well enough. And where did that start? Oh my gosh, you know, my first leader was very difficult and da, da, da. who knows? I mean, we're walking bags of experiences, right? Yes, we are. Yes. So starting to watch your mind like a hawk and just really keep track of what you're thinking and feeling, not just the stats, but thinking and feeling about it. And you'll start to see patterns and that's what allows you to break that hamster wheel. That's a great exercise. I see some of my clients, to your example, they'll say, you know, one of the patterns I'm seeing is it's it's one person. Like they've identified one person that they have a problem with that they can't, they get nervous or they can't speak in the same way to. They're, they say, I'm fine with all of these people, but it's just this one executive when I have to talk to them. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny, Gail. Um, I, I, a common challenge I see in, in this part of the world in particular is hierarchy is, is very revered here. And so you mentioned earlier introverts. So you have an introverted person who's going up against a very strong leader, a very strong leader who has very strong points of view and is not afraid to argue. It's not afraid to push back. And that really terrifies certain people. They don't know how to deal with it because they've never learned how to deal with that. So it's really about learning how to get up and out of you versus me and into a place that, okay, let's find a common ground where we can work on this together, where we can see things from an authentic space of both of our rights are being met, not just yours or mine. Yes. Yes. I'm curious to know if the work that you're doing, if you're seeing that uh, senior executives are able to help kind of promote some of these concepts to other people, if they've done the work themselves. And I'm such a believer that they can, they can be coaches and model, you know, better behavior and mindset. So what are you seeing or what might you suggest for people who do appreciate what you're talking about and who want to be a positive influence to help others do that foundational work? You know, one of the things I love working at the highest levels of organization scale is that I call it the trickle-down effect, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. You got the senior leaders and they're making change and they're realizing the power of coaching. They're realizing the power of simply asking questions and listening and doing a lot of the really great coaching behaviors. And it starts to trickle down and trickle down and it impacts the entire organization. And I love that aspect of it. I, I Every time I do at the very end of a coaching program, when we're reviewing final feedback from stakeholders, I will ask, um, uh, uh, one of the last questions I'll ask is, what did you take away big picture from coaching? Not just your changed behaviors, but what's the meta learning, right? And ultimately, they always say, I'm a better coach myself. I'm a better coach myself. I understand now what it means to be a coach leader. And that just seems to my heart because when you start to do that now, you start to create a coaching culture. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's what I was curious because that's where I love to play too. So that's awesome. Well, what other tips can you suggest as I know we're, we're getting sort of toward the end of our time and I would love to try to provide some practical ideas or takeaways that people might want to, to consider as they're thinking about ways that they can become more congruent, be more of who they are and step into their role in a different way. 
So at a time when things are so up in the air right now, Gail, and everything is up in the air, right? There's so much uncertainty in the world. And I don't honestly see that changing in the foreseeable future. I think we're going to continue to see this uncertainty for a long time. We all need inspiring leaders. We need inspiring leaders. And here's the thing. People often say to me, "How I'd like to be more of an inspiring leader. How do I do that? And my answer is be inspired. Yes. Be inspired yourself. If you are not on the inside inspired to be doing what you're doing, if it doesn't feel right, you probably aren't doing that inside and outside aren't connecting. You know, it's like the, the, I don't know if you remember the old game of Mr. Potato Head, there was the potato on the bottom and you had the head on the top and you had to try to put them together. (laughs) And I feel that way sometimes with leaders, you know, it's like the body and the head are not connecting. You got to Really make sure that they're connecting. So watch for how you, if you mentioned this earlier and I couldn't agree more, watch how you feel. Leadership is resonant. People will feel a leader. Why do certain people love certain leaders? Because they can just feel good around them. So don't underestimate the importance of that feeling piece. And that feeling piece, if you're feeling good on the outside, it's going to be reflected on the outside. If you're not feeling great on the inside and you're trying to do something on the outside that's incongruent or inconsistent, it's going to feel off. It's just going to be the Mr. Potato had gone wrong. <laughs> well, and and it's, it's so uh, timely that you're bringing this up because the episode that I did, I think it's just before this one, was on goal alignment. And I talked about the importance of aligning the strategic goals with the, you know, and leadership alignment. But at the end of the day, you have to have personal goal alignment. You have to feel connected to your work. Doesn't matter what the large picture is, the vision or the strategy. If you're not connected to the work that you want to do, like you said, then the rest won't flow from that. So it's something to really pay attention to. And, you know, Gail, I know you talked about vision in that, in that episode as well. And that's, I loved that because the truth is vision is one of those intangibles. Yes. Yes. You can't touch it, but how important it is. And we don't pay enough attention to that vision. And a lot of leaders don't know how, like you said in your episode, a lot of people don't know how to manage visions because it's so intangible. How do we do that? Right. But yet we're visioning all the time. We're constantly creating whether we realize it or not. So I think, um, yeah, so it's so important again, the inside and the outside, making, getting them to work together, be consistent, be congruent, be aligned. And that's when magic of leadership really kicks in. Yes. Good. So one key takeaway is embrace that intangible, both in the visioning and in the internal job that you have to do as a leader. And also Gail, you know, make sure you identify that self, those, any of those self-limiting beliefs, those self-limiting thoughts that really aren't serving you. Some of them go back decades. I've seen this again and again and again. You really need to embrace a mindset of possibility to drive kind of positive long-term behaviors and really achieve your full potential. That's where it's going to come from. Yes. And I even call people out, friends or clients or people, if I hear them say something that I don't think is serving them well, I say, where, why do you believe that? Where did that come from? What might you say serving? instead? Yeah. <laughs> How is that serving you? How yeah. is that serving you? Absolutely. And, or is it most oftentimes? Yeah. Yeah. Good questions. Great. Well, I can't thank you enough for for being here today and sharing some quick insights. We, you know, we call it CEO on the go for a reason, and we keep moving fairly quickly on this podcast. But I did want you to let people know how they can reach you and find your book. Um, I love the title of it, The Forgotten Choice. So let people know how they can can find that. 
Thank you. Yeah. Well, it's on on Amazon and all sorts of places online. The Forgotten Choice, shift your inner mindset, shape your outer world. The impact we have and we're creating all the time as leaders and others in the world, it's, uh, it's really empowering about how you can take charge of that magnificent mind that we all have and turn it into something that you really want, both in and outside of work. But anybody can also visit me. I'm on lots of social media, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, you know, Insta, Twitter, all of the, all of those. And also, of course, come to my website, which is brendabents.com. So I'd be delighted to have people reach out. Good. And I also wanted to mention your companion guide as well. It looks like you developed a companion guide that can help companies, I'm sure, right? That would well, be a good tool yes. for them. That's exactly right, Gail. So the companion guide is for really two intentions. One, it helps you walk through the book. Remember that self-coaching I talked about? So you can do it from a self-coaching standpoint, but I've also set it up for groups and teams at offices to work through the book together. And that's been really popular with corporations. Good. Well, I encourage people to check that out. And again, I appreciate uh, the chance to speak with you and the work that you're doing and look forward to learning more as we both go forward in the similar work that we're doing. So thank you so much. And for everyone else listening in today, I hope you have a wonderful rest of the week doing the work that matters to you. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, be sure to share this episode with someone else who might benefit or leave a review. You can join my email list by going to workmatters.com so you don't miss an episode. And there you can learn more about ways we serve mission-driven leaders like you. If there's a challenge you want to discuss, I'd love to hear from you. In the meantime, keep growing as a leader, inspiring change, and doing the work that matters to you.